Welcome to Risho Kosekai International of North America. Following is a reading of the book Guide to the Threefold Lotus Sutra by Nikyo Niwano, founder of Risho Kosekai. Part 2 The Lotus Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma. Chapter 10 Teachers of the Dharma. The title of this chapter does not only refer to monks and priests. Any person who teaches the law of the Buddha for the sake of others is a teacher of the law. The chapter is a most important one and has the most intimate connection with our own life in the faith because it indicates the frame of mind of the teacher, particularly the feeling that those of us in these latter days of the period of the decay of the law or mappo, must have, and points out the merit of right teaching of the law. A feature to be noted here is that beginning with this chapter, there is a distinct change of style, for the Buddha's sermon are hereafter directed to the bodhisattvas. The idea that the Shravakas, Patrika Buddhas, and bodhisattvas were separate order of being was implanted in all minds. But the Buddha has repeatedly emphasized through nine chapters that such distinctions really do not exist because all are walking the way to becoming Buddhas. The evidence of this is the prediction of Buddhahood for so many Shravakas. The word Shravaka being used here in the sense that includes Patrika Buddhas. From this point on, all listeners to the teachings of the Buddhas are Bodhisattvas. Any person listening to the teaching may still be the same person, but the feeling in listening changes, and as a result, the self-awareness of the person changes. Thus, all becomes bodhisattvas, and for this reason the Buddha shifts his address from the earlier Shariputra or Mahakasyapa, who were bhikshus, to the bodhisattva medicine king or the bodhisattva manjursri, or simply bodhisattvas. Near the beginning of the chapter, Shakyamuni declares that he foresees perfect awakening and Buddhahood for whoever hears no more than a single verse or phrase of the Lotus Sutra and is moved for so much as a moment to feel in his heart how fine and precious it is. In our ordinary everyday world, we know from numerous examples how some people accomplish great things because they have had a clear feeling that something was important and worth doing. Without such a feeling and deep concern, many who are interested only in personal gain may accomplish a little something or get a spot with a little security, but great things are beyond them and they can do nothing for history to record. In our religious lives, this is all the more true. The teaching of the Buddha is the summit of summits, and whoever hears that teaching and is clearly moved and clearly believes has in himself that which makes unlimited achievement possible. Such is a sense in which the Buddha described the merit of delighting in the words of the sutra even for one fleeting moment. But to feel this delight in fineness for a moment and then revert to the old self is not the real thing. To be sure, that momentary delight remains at the bottom of the heart, 
and though unbeknownst to the person, it may work its influence. That influence is not so striking. The feeling of that moment must be made to grow, and is being fixed on the mind and heart. Its influence becomes great. Veneration and practice are the things that nurture that feeling. Veneration is the offering of heartfelt gratitude for the Buddha, his teachings, and the Sangha, or community of believers, as expressed in reverence and other actions. Having stated that any who delight in a verse or phrase of the Lotus Sutra will reach awakening, the Buddha continues that those who receive and keep, read, recite, expound, and copy so much as a verse of the Sutra will also reach awakening. The passage is easy to overlook. So simple does it seem, but it names five important practices that teachers of the law ought to engage in. First, in receiving and keeping, one must maintain the determination of acceptance always fresh. Through reading, one must study over and over. Through memorization and recitation, one must plant the substance in the heart. Equipped in this way, one is able to explain the teaching for the benefit of others. And finally, in the labor of copying, one is actually and symbolically engaged in the effort to spread the teaching throughout the world. Each of these five acts is essential to anyone who would practice the Lotus Sutra. The great distinction of the Lotus Sutra is its particular emphasis on the positive action of teaching for the benefit of others and of spreading the teachings throughout the world, together with its emphasis on the fact that. Without such action, human society can never be saved. This chapter contains the following passage, which is one of the most important. If after my passing, these good sons and good daughters are able, even secretly, to share even a single phrase of this Dharma Flower Sutra with one person, you should know that these people are emissaries of the Tathagata. Sent by the Tathagata to carry out the Tathagata's work. How much more so is this the case with those who teach for the sake of people gathered in a great assembly? After this, there is a remarkable passage in which the supreme quality of the Lotus Sutra is stated and given meaning in a variety of ways. Finally, at the most perfect statement of the Buddha's teachings. It is given a place almost higher than that of the Buddha himself, for though it may be evil to rail at the Buddha, the sin of one who abuses a practitioner of the Sutra is greater. The practitioner attains supreme bliss, for the Lotus Sutra is the very foremost of all the sutras, the culmination of the Buddha's teaching. This thought, coupled with the merit of the practitioner, Is stated and restated with emphasis, and the perfection of its message is likened in a brief parable to water deep in the earth, which only tireless search and effort may bring to light. The true believer then, who would actively engage in spreading the word, must go into the house of the Tathagata, be clothed in his clothes, and be seated in his place. This second major point in this chapter. 
which shows the right way to present the doctrine, is stated as follows. Medicine King After the passing of the Tathagata, if there are good sons and good daughters who desire to teach this Dharma Flower Sutra to the four groups, how should they teach it? These good sons and good daughters should enter the abode of the Tathagata, put on the robe of the Tathagata, and sit on the seat of the Tathagata. Then, for the sake of the four groups, they should widely proclaim this sutra. The four groups referred to here are the four classes of disciples, monks or bhikshus, nuns, bhikshunis, men and women lay believers or upasakas and upasikas, respectively. The three terms are abode, the robe, and the throne of the Tathagata give an important instruction and they are precious, lofty words to be felt with all one's being. They are truly awesome and their meaning is concisely explained immediately afterward. The abode of the Tathagata is the great compassionate heart for all living beings. The robe of the Tathagata is the flexible and forbearing mind. The seat of the Tathagata is the emptiness of all things. In short, we are taught that we are to teach the law on the threefold footing of compassion, gentle forbearance, and perception of the emptiness of all things. The first two of these need no explanation. The third may require a word, at the risk of some repetition. We may understand the term the void or emptiness of all things, here in two senses. First, we may perceive that all existence is emptiness. All apparent forms are but temporary manifestation of this emptiness of all things. This view is, of course, correct, but to stop at this denial of apparent forms is no way to help mankind. We must therefore ponder this emptiness of all things from the opposite direction. What we must consider is how all things and forms in this universe, how we ourselves as human beings are produced from one emptiness that can neither be seen with the eyes nor felt with the hands. There is a great invisible force, a root life force of the universe the working of which produces all things from the emptiness of all things, and all things are produced by virtue of the necessity of their existence. Humanity is no exception. We ourselves are brought into being in the form we take by virtue of the necessity to live in this world. If we think this way, we are bound to feel the worth of being alive as human beings the wonder of having been brought into this world. At the same time, others are born by virtue of the same necessity to live in this world, and so we are bound to recognize and respect their worth also. To understand the emptiness of all things, in this sense, enables us to enjoy the worth and the wonder of living. A true sense wells up in us of the unity of all people as brothers and sisters sharing the same life. So we are taught here that in order to explain the law to others, we must sit in the place of the Tathagata, 
which is to say that we must ground ourselves thoroughly in understanding the emptiness of all things. In summary, then these three principles teach that whoever would explain the Lotus Sutra must be moved by a spirit of great compassion, be fully grounded in how to perceive the emptiness of all things, and proceed to the task with the gentleness and strength of mind, unmoved by concern for what the world may think or do. This is the kernel of this chapter on how to be a teacher of the Dharma. End of Part 2 The Lotus Sutra of the Wondrous Dharma Chapter 10 Teachers of the Dharma Arkina offers classes on Buddhism, information on meditation, holds online gatherings, and practices chanting. Please visit our website at www.arkina.org for information on upcoming events.